welcome to The Real Church Podcast. Our mission is for you to know the love of Jesus and live out your God-given purpose. Now, join us and listen in to the latest message from Pastor David John Phillips. As they're doing that, I want to, uh, I want to tell you something that's going to be all throughout this message. You're going to hear it in the middle. You're going to hear it in the, in the first quarter. You're going to hear it in the, in the end. You're going to hear it at the beginning. And it's this right here. To trust what God will do for what he has done. I'll say it a different way. We must remember, I'll just flip it. We must remember what God has done in order to trust what he will do now and what he will do in the future. Amen? So I want you to to say that together with me. Say, I must remember what God has done to trust what he will do. Look to the person on your right. Say, remember what God has done. Look to the person on your left. Say, you're not second best. I just talked to them. (laughs) And then tell them, remember what God has done. Do you feel stuck? You feel like you can't win? You feel like you're in a battle right now? You feel like there's no way out? You feel like it seems too hard? Maybe you're drowning in a relationship. You're drowning in a job. You're drowning in sickness and depression. Or you just feel like you hit the wall. You feel like every time that you make one step forward, it seems like something drags you back 50 steps or 500 steps going on. You're at the end of your rope and you're like, hey, I need help. I know that is some of you. I've been praying for people. Uh, People have been contacting me all over Facebook. We have this ad out. We're praying for people constantly, and they're contacting me, and they're asking for prayer for exactly what I just told you. And if that's you, or that has been you, or there's any chance that it might be you in the future, I have good news for you. This message for you. This message is how to move forward, how to get unstuck. And let's repeat this. We must remember what God has done. We must remember what God has done to trust what God will do. In the character series, we started the character series last week. If you were here last week, you saw we did something called Five and Five. We had five different leaders, five different people, and we'll speak five different messages in five minutes on five different Bible characters, and it was awesome. Did you guys enjoy that message last week? Yeah, was it, was it fun? Did you learn something? So I just want a special thank you to Heidi and to Jerry and to Pauline and to Court and to, and to my wife, Courtney. You guys did amazing. Our, our, uh, our device, the podcast, messed up again last week. I apologize. So wasn't able to, to get up. For those of you that, that listen to our podcast online, we bought a new device. It should be in Monday. We're hoping to get this one up. But anyway, so... Also, if you want to follow along on the notes, I have all of the notes for today's message. If you pull out your phone, you go to realchurch.us, realchurch.us. You can use your phone at Real Church. <laughs> it's okay. Pull out your phone, go there, and go to this Sunday. And once you click on this Sunday, you can click View Sermon Notes. It will pull up the Bible app in your phone automatically, and all of the notes for today will be right there in front of you. So without further ado... We're going into part two of the characters series. And in the character series, once again, we are looking at the different characters of the Bible. So we're looking at their stories and how their stories impact, intersect with our stories today, what we can learn from what God did in and through them, and, and that will help us trust what God will do in and through our lives. 
And maybe you're like, okay, uh, I hear you, Pastor. That's amazing. But these Bible characters, they had greater faith than I do. You know, they, they are heroes of the faith. They, you know, they, they raised the dead. They healed the sick. They, did, they parted the Red Sea. They, they walked around Jericho and the walls fell down. They, I mean, they were in a fish and spit out of the fish like Jonah was and then preached the gospel and a, and a city repented. I mean, they did some amazing things. How could their stories possibly be uh, applicable to me, to what I'm going through today? Well, I'm, I'm glad you asked. <laughs> Thank you. Thank you for asking that question, guys. If we go to some of my favorite verses in James chapter 5, verses 17 and 18. In verse 17, it says, Elijah. Now, Elijah, you, you have to know, Elijah was the guy that, fought, uh, that come heaven. Elijah was the guy that, that prayed that it wouldn't rain for three and a half years, and it didn't rain for three and a half years. Then he prayed again that it would rain, and all of a sudden, there was a, there was a rain, there was thunderstorms, and then he ran faster than horses in order to get back to the city where he was going. Elijah, and it says, he that did all of these things was a man just, or a person just like us. How could that guy be a person just like me? You don't understand what I've been. I feel like giving up. You don't understand. Well, guess what? Elijah did too. You know, it, I just gave you the highlight reel of his life, but, but I didn't tell you about the low light. I didn't tell you about the things that he, that he went through where, where he thought everybody was out to get him. You ever, you ever been scared like that? Thought everyone was out to get you? He thought he was the only one left. He thought he was all alone and destitute and literally cried out to God, sitting down under a tree, cried out to God, God, I just want to tell me. I don't even want to go on anymore. You ever been there? He felt hopeless, destitute. I'd say he's probably depressed. And yet, through all of his insecurities, because of his relationship with God, God used him in supernatural ways. That's pretty amazing. But, but, but pastor, these are Bible people. That's them. This is me. I don't care if you're an 86-year-old lady stuck in a wheelchair. I don't care if you're an 11-year-old boy with a dad who said you'd never amount to anything. I don't care if you're a 35-year-old single mom that feels lost because everybody's left her. The Bible is full of stories of and broken and destitute people that God healed and delivered and put back together and then used them to heal the hurting, the lost, and the broken around them because of his great love through them. That's the good news of the gospel. That's what God does, and he's done it all throughout the Bible. And I want to give you hope because he can and he will do it for you. Amen? So, with that being said, <clears throat> let's turn to Joshua chapter 4. Joshua is one of my favorite guys in the Bible. I love Joshua. We're going to talk about Joshua a little bit and how this is applicable to our lives and getting unstuck in Joshua chapter 4, in verse 1, we'll start reading. When the whole nation had finished crossing the Jordan, the Lord said to Joshua, and let's stop right there. 
Some of you might be thinking, okay, what nation are we talking about? What in the world is the Jordan and who is Joshua? Once again, I'm glad you asked. When we, when we pick up the Bible, the Bible is divided into two big things. One's the New Testament and one's the Old Testament. The New Testament is what we're living in right now. Man, Jesus came and, and died on the cross, rose again. And, and because of that, we can have relationship with the Old Testament. In the Old Testament, there was... Um, uh, this nation called Israel. It's the same Israel that we have today, the Jews there. There's this nation called Israel. And God chose to reveal himself to the world through this nation. That's pretty awesome. You would think that God would choose Babylon, this beautiful you know, city with lots of gold and power and King Nebuchadnezzar and all this stuff. Or you God would choose you know, the, the Greeks and Alexandria and all of this amazing stuff. You think God would choose these powerful, amazing nations in order to reveal himself through. But God didn't. God chose the Jews. God chose Israel, this, this small, broken, destitute nation of, of people who were stuck in slavery for 400 years. Why would God choose that? Because God chooses the weak things of the world to confound the wise. God chooses to show his power and his amazingness through you think it's impossible to, it would be impossible for God to do that. And then he shows up and boom, shows that he loves people and he can use anybody to affect anybody. He can use anybody to show his love to anybody. He can even use Israel to show his love to the world as a redemption plan, which means he can use you. God can use you. Joshua 4, I lost my place. When the whole nation had finished crossing the Jordan, what was going on at this time? See, the Jordan River had separated them from the wilderness, had separated the, the Israelites. Uh, they were stuck in the wilderness and had separated them from the promised land. See, before this, when they were slaves for 400 years, and, and just so that you guys know, a lot of things in the Old Testament, and I know I've said this before, but a lot of things in the Old Testament, everything in the Old Testament really, is a physical representation of what we're going through spiritually in many, many ways. And, and a lot of things in the Old Testament, really everything in the Old Testament, points to Jesus, right? It points us to Jesus. We can see God's love through it. We can see who he is and amazingness. Let me give you an example. The Israelites for 400 years are stuck in Egypt. They're stuck in slavery. They have taskmasters. They're in bondage. And Egypt and that bondage there rep represents sin and slavery and bondage that, that a lot of us are experiencing. Maybe, maybe you're in bondage to addiction. Maybe you're in bondage to, to whatever sin. Maybe you, you can't control this anger that's coming out all the time. Maybe you can't control this or you can't control this. And you're like, what is going on? I don't understand. I, I try really hard, but no matter how hard I try, I can't get free from my Egypt. Maybe that's you. Well, then God raised up Moses and Joshua here that's talking about was, was in slavery at a time in his life. He understood what that was. And then God raised up Moses from out, out from among the people and they led, he led the people. You've seen the stories of Moses and you've seen all this. He led the people through the Red Sea. The Red Sea parted and the Israelites walked through the Red Sea and it was supernatural deliverance and it was amazing. So if Egypt represents our sin and bondage to sin, then walking through the Red Sea shows us deliverance. That's Jesus' blood. Jesus died for us and his blood set us free from our bondage. As the Israelites walked through the Red Sea on the way to the 
promise that God had for them in the same way when we trust and we put our faith in Jesus and what he did for us on the cross. We're walking through our spiritual Red Sea and on the way to the promise that God has for us. The same Red Sea that delivered them from their bondage also wiped out their enemies. Isn't that cool? The same blood that Jesus shed for your sin also take away all of the stuff that you've been in bondage to. It's just a realization that he's already paid the price for you to be free. It's awesome. So let's keep reading. Or actually, after... After the Israelites passed through the Red Sea, they went through the wilderness, and uh, eventually they crossed over the Jordan 40 years later, and they get to this point, Joshua chapter 4, verse 1. When the whole nation had finished crossing the Jordan, the Lord said to Joshua, Choose twelve men from among the people, one from each tribe, and tell them to take up the twelve stones from the middle of the Jordan, from right where the priests are standing, and carry them over with you, and put them down at the place where you stay tonight. So Joshua called together the 12 men he had appointed from the Israelites, one from each tribe, and said to them, Go over before the ark of the Lord your God into the middle of the Jordan. Take up a stone on his shoulder, according to the number of tribes of of the Israelites, to serve as a sign among you. In the future, when your children ask you, What do these stones mean? Tell them that the flow of the Jordan was cut off before the ark of the covenant of the Lord. When it crossed the Jordan, the waters of the Jordan were cut off. These stones are to be a memorial to the people of Israel forever. Again, just to put that in perspective, what had just happened was (laughs) the Ark of the Covenant of the Lord, which is this box that represented the presence of the Lord, it represented Jesus, went into the Jordan River. The Jordan River stopped flowing up at a town called Adam. It allowed the people of Israel to cross from the wilderness into the promised land. Okay? Now this reminds me, and I think the reason that Joshua would have, and just a second, I think the reason that Joshua, this would have resonated with him, because in the same way that this happened in that moment, something very similar had happened about 38 years before. And Joshua was a part of it. Let me tell you a little bit about who this Joshua guy is and why he's leading Israel at the time. See, back in Numbers, chapter 13, the Israelites had walking from bondage in Egypt through the wilderness on the way to the promise. And in Numbers, chapter 13, Moses, who was leading Israel at the time, He tells the Israelites, he's like, hey, look, you know, we're about to go into the promised land. It's this amazing land that God has promised to our ancestors. We're about to walk into this, and it's wonderful. And a lot of times us as people, when we, when we hear about you know, the promise that God has for us, the promise of a new job, or maybe it's the promise of this new relationship, or the promise that God's going to bless us in certain ways or whatever, we get excited about the idea of the promise. A lot like the Israelites were excited, right? We, we, we get stoked, right? And so then... So then Moses sends these 12 spies. Now Joshua was one of the spies. Moses sends these 12 spies into the promised land to scope it out and to see what the land is like. This is what happens when they come back. The 12 spies. Joshua's one of them. 
They came back to Moses and Aaron, the whole Israelite community at Kadesh in the desert of Paran. And then they reported them to the whole assembly and showed them the fruit of the land. They gave Moses this account. We went into the land you sent us to, and it does flow with milk and honey. Here's the fruit. Right? And they, it was huge fruit that, you know, these, these grapes that are unimaginable, that are in between, thick in between two people, are carrying this, uh, this uh, cluster of grapes, and they can barely carry it because of how big and amazing the grapes are. And it's a land flowing of milk and honey, which means it's amazing. So we went into this land, which you sent us, and it does flow with milk and honey. Here is the fruit. Verse 28, but... You know, a lot of times it's the butts that hold us back from, <laughs> from entering into the promises that God has for us. You know, man, God's promised me this amazingness. God's promised that, that he's going to answer my prayers, but I don't see it yet. But what's going on in my life right now? But, uh, man, this is really hard. God promised us that, man, we're going to plant this church and it's going to change a lot of lives. But I got to set up every Sunday morning and, and it's not easy. But, man, these relationships are really tough. God promised me that, that he's going to answer my prayer, but I don't see anything happening right now. What's going on? It's a lot of times it's the that makes us quit. It says, but the people who live there are powerful, and the cities are fortified and very large. We even saw the descendants of Anak there. Oh, my gosh. The Amalekites live in the, in the Negev. The Hittites and the Jebusites and all the Ites live in the hill country, and the Canaanites live there. And the seas along the Jordan. Verse 31. Well, then, then Caleb silenced the people because there were two good spies, Joshua and Caleb. can take possession of this land, for we certainly can do it. There's a shift there. But the men who had gone up with him said, we can't attack those people. They are stronger than we are. And they spread among the Israelites a bad report about the land they had explored. They said, the land we explored devours those living in it. All the people we saw there are of great size. We saw the Nephilim there, descendants of Anak. We seemed like grasshoppers in our own eyes, and we looked to them. Exactly, Tony. They're, they're a bunch of buttheads. Okay. God promised them this amazing land, and he delivered them out of the wilderness. I mean, he, del he delivered them out of, out of Egypt. He delivered them out of the bondage. He parted the Red Sea supernaturally for them and to their promised land. And instead of remembering the amazing, supernatural, wonderful things that God had done for them, they put their eyes on the obstacles and on the circumstances, and it prevented them from experiencing the promise that God had for them. How many times do we put our eyes on the obstacles instead of focusing on the promise? You heard them. They said, those people, they're like giants. They're huge. And we're like just tiny nothings to them. Their eyes were on how hard it was going to be and how insignificant they were. Every time you take your eyes off of the promise and off of God, and you put your eyes on the obstacles on yourself, you're going to want to run back to Egypt. So look at what they did. 
Verse 14, that night all the members of the community raised their voices and wept aloud. All the Israelites grumbled against Moses and Aaron, and the whole assembly said to them, if we had only died in Egypt, if we had only died in our sin and in our slavery, if we had only died there, why is the Lord bringing us to the land to let us fall by the sword? Our wives and children will be taken as plunder. Wouldn't it be better for us to go? And they said to each other, we should choose another leader. Mutiny, Moses. We're choosing somebody else and we're doing it our way because we've been focusing on ourselves and we see the obstacle. We don't remember what God has done. All we can see is what's around us right now. And so we're going to run back to our filth. That's crazy. But we do it all the time. Because in the moment, we take our eyes off the promise and we put our eyes on the circumstance. We take our eyes off of God and we put our eyes on ourselves, and it makes us want to run. I've done it before. But what did Joshua do instead? See, Moses and Aaron, who were leading the people, Moses and Aaron fell face down in front of the whole Israelite assembly gathered there. And Joshua, son of Nun, and Caleb, son of Jephunneh, who, who were among those who had explored the land, tore their clothes and said to the entire assembly, The land we passed through and explored is exceedingly good. If the Lord is pleased with us, he will lead us into that land, a land flowing with milk and honey, and will give it to us. Only do not rebel against the Lord. Do not be afraid of the people of the land, because we will devour them. Their protection is gone, but the Lord is with us. Do not be afraid. I admire Joshua right now. And Caleb, too. I just know where Joshua gets this from, and I'm going to share it in a second. See, you have this whole assembly of people. You have millions of people that are ready to turn, tail, and run. You have 10 other leaders who are ready to turn, tail, and run and are screaming, mutiny, mutiny, mutiny. And it's countercultural right now to stand for God and to stand for what he has done. But yet Joshua, in the midst of all the chaos, stands up and says, no, do this. Why? Like, really? What was it that shifted Joshua's perspective? Why did Joshua have a different perspective than everyone else? They had seen the same miracles. They had all, the Red Sea had been parted for all of them. They were led by a a and a cloud by night. Like they they ate manna from heaven. Like it was amazing. Like all of these miracles. And still, most of the people didn't trust God and put their eyes on the circumstances instead of on what God had done. What was the difference in perspective here? Because I think if we can get this difference in perspective, it will help us to get unstuck and continue forward no matter what, what the cost is. Would you agree? Why did Joshua things so differently? You, you, you know what? I think, that, I think that we need to choose to hang out with the Joshuas and the Calebs instead of those that are constantly saying a bad report. Who do you, who, who do you hang around? Are you hanging around the people that are just saying, oh, I can't believe you feel terrible and you should look at all going on wrong with you. You know what? You should just lay down and die. 
Man, it, it's just too hard doing what you're doing. You should quit and just go back to what you were doing. Give up on your dreams. Who are you listening to? Are you listening to bad report? Man, you need to cut them people out of your life. You need to start hanging out with the Joshua's and the Caleb's. Who the Joshua and the Caleb's are. This is, this is how Joshua, this right here is how Joshua had a different viewpoint than everyone else. You ready for this? Exodus chapter 33. You're right, Tony, it was trust. Where did he get that trust from? It wasn't from the miracles. That's it. Exodus 33. Now Moses used to take a tent and pitch it outside distance away, calling it the tent of meeting. This was before what we just read, okay? Anyone inquiring of the Lord would go to the tent meeting outside the camp. It was the prayer tent. It was the, the, the place where they, they spent time in the presence of the Lord, right? And whenever Moses went out to the tent, all the people rose and stood at the entrance to their tents, watching Moses until he entered the tent. As Moses went into the tent, the pillar of cloud would come down and stay at the entrance while the Lord spoke. Whenever the people saw the pillar of cloud standing at the entrance to the tent, they all stood and worshiped, each at the entrance to their tent. The Lord would speak to Moses face to face as one speaks to a friend. Stop right there. Oh, my gosh. I don't know about you, but I want that kind of relationship. I want to speak to God face to face as one... Guess what? Jesus says, I no longer call you servants. I call you friends. If, you haven't, if you're not experiencing that kind of relationship, you can. It's, we can speak with God face to face as with a friend. We can know his voice day in and day out. We can have the same kind of faith that Joshua has because he was a man just like us. You know how? The Lord would speak to Moses face to face as one speaks to a friend. Then Moses would return to the camp, but his young aide, Joshua, son of Nun, did not leave the tent. Moses left. Joshua got the experience of getting to see Moses speak with God face to face, and that was amazing and wonderful, and he's learning and soaking it up. But he wasn't content with just watching Moses. He wanted to spend time face to face with the Lord himself. Moses went on and Joshua sat at the feet of the Lord in the tent. So why, why did Joshua have a different perspective when he saw, he saw the same obstacles. He saw the same giants everyone else saw. He saw all of those things. But he saw God is bigger than that. He had relationship with God. Close, personal relationship. And because of his time spent in the tent, when he saw the giants, he knew God, his God to be bigger. See, because of his time spent in the tent, he could remember what God had done in the past, and it gave him to what God would do in the future. Time spent in the tent grows faith. Faith comes by hearing, and hearing by the word of the Lord. Faith only comes through relationship. You want the faith to be able to move forward through your situation? Guess what it takes? Spending time in the tent, getting to know his voice, receiving his word, 
receiving what he says, listening to what he says about you. God, I want to know you more and, and help me, Jesus. Not just on Sunday morning. Uh, man, I'm going to get in the tent after I go on Sunday morning. Sunday night, I'm going to go listen to that podcast. I'm going to go sign up for a small group and get around other, other Joshua's and Caleb's who's been in the tent with Jesus so they can encourage me to quit listening to the crap that everybody else is saying about me. Right? I'm, I'm, going, I'm going to get in the word. Yeah, come on. I'm going to get in the word and say, God, I don't even know if I can understand this. It's been so long since I picked this thing up. But you know what? Because of what that preacher said, it, man, it just cut me to the, it was you speaking to me. And it's going to change my eternity. So, Father, your word, I know somewhere it says that if I ask you, if I seek, I'll find you. So I'm seeking you, God. Would you show me who you are? Would you open up this word? Get in the tent. Man, it will change your outlook on everything. This is his word. As you read and you understand his word, as you read, you and illuminates the word, but then you're also able to see him in prayer. You're also able to speak to him. You're also able to hear as other people speak and learn things and different experiences and different stuff going on because you understand and you see how God speaks and he speaks in line with what he says in the word. And it's in relationship and it's awesome and it's alive and it's wonderful and it's wow. So because saw the obstacles instead of the promise, they weren't able to move forward into the promise. But Joshua and Caleb saw the promise instead of the obstacles, and they were able to move forward into the promise. I mean, I just kind of think in Joshua 4, when God told him to pick up these stones so that people would forever remember what God had done in the past, I think Joshua got it. Because he, he had already seen people forget what God had done in the past because they were so focused on their circumstances so they couldn't move forward. So man, I, I, bet, I bet he got it. He wanted the people to not just remember the battle in front of them, but to remember the miraculous crossing of the Jordan, to remember the stories of old of how God had parted the Red Sea. In Joshua chapter 4, verse 19, it says, On the tenth day of the first month, the people went up from the Jordan and camped at Gilgal on the eastern border of Jericho, which is right by the Jordan. And Joshua set up a Gil at Gilgal the twelve stones they had taken out of the Jordan, these memorial stones. And he said to the Israelites, In the future, when your descendants ask their parents, stones mean, tell them, Israel crossed the Jordan on the dry ground. For the Lord your God dried up the Jordan before you had crossed over. The Lord your God did to the Jordan what he had done to the Red Sea. And when he dried it up before us, um, when he had dried it up before us until we had crossed over, he did this so that all the peoples on the earth might know the hand of the Lord is powerful and so that you might always fear the Lord your God. Memorial stones that were to remind everybody about in the past to give them faith to know that God would do something in the future. He would do something in their present. He would do something in their current circumstance, remembering what God had done so that we could know what God will do. You know, right after this, they went to Jericho. There's this huge walled city. They'd never, it never recorded them coming up against a walled city like this before. 
something that was out of the ordinary. People, if you come up against something that's out of the ordinary and big and, and scary, you get really scared. But they had just been through some miraculous things. They had just set up these stones. And God told them to walk around this wall, something that's, wait, walking around a wall doesn't seem to do anything. I don't understand. But because I trust you and I remember that you did something unconventional back in the past when, when the ark went into the Jordan and it stopped and it was amazing and we crossed over into the promised land. I remember, I know you're leading me to do something crazy, but I'm going to be radically obedient in this moment because I remember what you did, so I'm going to trust you now. And boom, Jericho fell. You know, there were more battles and more wars and more things that they had to fight in the promised land than they did just coming out of Egypt. They had to learn to trust him more and more and more. They had to remember, because if they didn't, they would have been taken over. Trusting God, learning, growing in him, not listening to the naysayers, but listening to the, those who have been spending time in the tent, being encouraged, and then becoming one who's spending time in the tent spending time in his presence my question is these stones you see these 12 stones they're right here what are the what are the stones in your life that, that remind you of what God has done what are the stones in your life that remind you that was radically faithful so that in whatever circumstance you're going through right now you can go back God did this and I know because God did this he's going to take care of me here God heal you of something? So because he healed your physical body, you know he's going to heal your finances? Did God restore a relationship? Because he restored that relationship, you go back and you think about that and you're thankful to God and because you know he did that, you know he can bring your kids back to Jesus? Because, because God, you name it. Go back to when you gave your life to Jesus. Forgave you. You didn't deserve that. He forgave you completely. You don't have to experience guilt and shame anymore because of what Jesus did for you on the cross. You can rest in his goodness. And then he gave you his life. You have a relationship with God. Go back to your salvation experience and know that because, because God parted the Red Sea for you, then he's going to take care of the obstacles in front of you. Share a personal story. God did something for me because if God did it for me then he'll do it for you he's no respecter of persons I'm not special because I got a microphone I'm just a guy that loves Jesus just a man just a person just like you just like Elijah just like Deborah just like the amazing people of old the same God that sent me can be you I was uh, getting out of the military my time had come and uh, I knew I was going to be taking a position in ministry at a church, um, working as a, a maintenance guy. And my set cut in half, literally cut in half. We owned uh, my dream home, really. And uh, we had some debt, car loans. going to happen and I remember praying and what do we do 
Like, this is crazy. I know I'm taking this job because you told me to take this job. <laughs> what are we going to do? And God put on my heart to buy a car for a guy we had been teaching about Jesus. And he put it on Courtney's heart to do the exact same thing separately. So when we talked to one another about it, we, now we didn't have, we had $1,000 saved up. We were gonna buy a $1,000 car for this guy. That's all we had, you know, in, in our savings account. And uh, it seemed like walking around the walls of Jericho type of deal, you know. This is crazy. We, our, our salary's being cut in half. We're not gonna be able to pay the mortgage. We have debt. And now you're asking us to buy a car? Why? Because we've been spending time with Jesus. <laughs> we've been spending time in the tent. So we bought this kid this car that he needed, blessed him. It was awesome. It was amazing. It was $1,000. And now we're like, what next? <laughs> you know, that next month, God opened the door for us to start a business. And our first month net profit was $2,000. then we sold our home and the profit from selling our home that we had only owned for like two and a half years or two years two years paid off all of our debt and then God opened the door it had been my dream to live by the beach and we had only lived we lived like eight miles from the beach but I, I just loved surfing and stuff at the time still do but <clears throat> um, God opened the door for us to get an apartment on First Avenue, one block from the beach for a thousand bucks a month, which is ridiculous, like amazing, miraculous. God was radically faithful. Thanks for listening to The Real Church Podcast. If you have questions, comments, or would like to get to know us, be sure to check us out on social media by searching Real Church Clearwater or visit us online at www.realchurch.us. If you'd like to play a part in what we're doing, you can do so right where you are. Your prayers are powerful and effective. You can also be a part through giving. Go to realchurch.us and click the Give button. Whether you're praying, giving, or serving with Real Church, you are playing a part in every life being changed. Thank you. Until our next podcast, be blessed. We'll see you next time.